Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another episode of Dean's Dialogue. I hope you're doing well. My name is Dean Meadows. I'll be your host as always, right? It's good to be with you again on this fine Thursday. I hope your week has been going well. Uh, So today we're going to move away from the Synoptic Gospels and look at the authorship for the book of John. And as I stated before in previous episodes, um, I noted that we would take a look at some preliminary issues with Matthew, Mark, Luke as far as authorship and dating. And then we would move to the Gospel of John because it is so unique. It is so different uh, in scope. And so um, that's just kind of way that, that I've decided to do it. Um, but before we start, there's some in-house information that you need to be aware of and that you need uh, to tune in for. By the way, before we get to that, today is Take Your Friend to Work Day. So say hi to my uh, stormtrooper. He's a pretty cool guy. Nothing like a cup of joe at 3 p.m. Um, anyways, on to uh, the news and notes uh, for Apologia. Um, 11.30 tomorrow, I will be doing a live YouTube interview with one of our guest writers by the name of Forrest Antimasaris. Uh He does the podcast, uh, the- Theology, etc. He's about to be a graduate of Freed Hardeman. He is recently uh, married. Congrats uh, to... Forrest and his lovely wife. Um, But what's really cool that I found out about Forrest is that he was an atheist and he's now obviously now a Christian. And so we're going to have a conversation about his journey. And that's 1130 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, So adjust uh, your your time uh, as needed to catch all of that uh, interview. So that'll be on YouTube. That'll be on our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com. Uh, in the search bar, type in Apologia Institute. Our channel will come up and you'll see the live feed. So 11.30 sharp Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. Also, later down the line in September from the 13th through the 16th, uh, if you're in the Denver, Colorado area, even if you're not in the Denver, Colorado area, you need to get to the Bear Valley Church of Christ uh, lectureship this year. The lectureship has an apologetics theme. It's called uh, we, uh, we Can Know That God Exists. Uh, there are going to be a bunch of great speakers there. Uh, I'm, uh, it's always a great lectureship, but this year I'm just amped and juiced uh, because it's got an apologetics theme because I'm an apologetics nerd. Also, um, Nathan Liddell, uh, who's another member of, the, of uh, the organization here, he'll be speaking on the moral argument. I'll be doing a youth track on Saturday where I am going to be able to introduce all the youth that show up uh, to my friend Aaron the Atheist. And some of you guys who have met him before kind of know what that's like. So that's going to be really cool to do that. Um, If anybody from Bear Valley is is watching, uh, thank you so much for that opportunity. We are humbled by that, and we know that that's going to be a great time uh, of, of education, a great time to be edified, and a great time to fellowship with our brothers and sisters uh, in Christ. So, uh, onward, as we talk about the authorship of the Gospel of John, let's dig. So, as with the Synoptic Gospels, one of the things that we want to first do is we want to look at uh, external evidence, evidence outside of the writing itself that would help us in trying to figure out uh, who actually wrote uh, 
this document, right? So what we have so far from, from church history, as far as we know, is that the 2nd century church father Tatian, in his uh, writing, the Diatessaron, he sought to harmonize the four Gospels. And what's interesting about that is that he used John's Gospel um, as the base to fit the other three in, and he attributes that uh, to John. Uh, there's also another, and these are all 2nd century guys. Uh, Theophilus of Antioch quotes the first five verses of John's Gospel and attributes that to the Apostle John. Irenaeus, who shows up over and over and over again, uh, he um, quotes several verses from the Gospel of John and attributes it to John, the disciple of the Lord. Now, what's interesting about Irenaeus' work is that he is using the Gospel of John to distinguish Orthodox Christianity from uh, Gnostic doctrine. And so what's also interesting about John that's similar to the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is that um, no other Orthodox writer uh, ever proposes any other alternative author for this Gospel. Um and what's also noted is that this is also um, accepted by all early uh, canonical lists. There's just no other tradition or authorship assigned in history to this work other than the Apostle uh, John. So, once again, um, skeptics or critics who say, "Man, I'm just I just don't think that that John wrote this gospel. There's this possibility. There's this possibility. There's that possibility." Um, they can, and I say this with respect, I'm not trying to be mean, but, but they can possibility, you know, all they want in order to overturn what we have in church history. Uh, there has to be, uh, actual documentation and overwhelming documentation, um, to overthrow John as the author of the gospel of John. Um, so once again, I want to, uh, make sure that, that you, understand that, that people can throw out possibility after possibility after possibility, and we should let them voice that, but then we have to come back and say, okay, so what do we actually have as far as uh, historical evidence against John's gospel? So make sure uh, that we note that when we're having a dialogue with with our, our friends about that. So now we look to internal evidence. Now, We've looked outside of the gospel. Now, what do we find when we find when we look inside the gospel? And this is where John, I believe, is completely different uh, than the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke. Because um, here, um, there are five pieces of internal evidence uh, which I think points to John as the author. Uh, one, the author was Jewish. Two, he uh, was from Palestine. Three, he was an eyewitness. Four, he was an apostle. And five, I think the five, I think is actually John. Now, this argument isn't original with me. Uh, this is originally set forth by B.F. Westcott in 1908. And the reason that I'm using his argument is because I find his argument, one, to be fascinating, but two, I think it's a pretty strong argument. I think what he lays out is, is pretty good. 
Um, so let's look at that first piece of evidence uh, that's in the gospel, that the author was Jewish. It's, it's clear that as you move through the gospel of John, the author accurately understands Jewish customs. He's steeped in the Old Testament. He's aware of the finer points of distinction among pre-70 A.D. Jewish sects. Um, the author is also concerned about Jesus uh, fulfilling the law. And he's also familiar with a number uh, of uh, rituals and institutions of Judaism. So it seems that the guy who's writing this is writing this for, with good knowledge uh, of you know, Judaism. So he's probably Jewish. And the second piece is that he was from Palestine. As we look at this document, we can see that the author had great knowledge of the geography and the topography of Israel particularly in Jerusalem and in the Judean countryside. Now, he mentions um, some really significant places in those areas. He mentions the Pool of Siloam, he mentions the Pool of uh, Bethesda, and he mentions Jacob's Well. All of these would have been significant and understood by people who were familiar uh, with Jerusalem, who would have been familiar with Judea. Um, also, there's some Aramaic terms that are employed and explained in the gospel. And so only uh, people in, of the nation of Israel and Jews still widely used Aramaic uh, rather than Greek during this time frame. So it's, it's pretty, uh, I think, pretty clearly seen that he was Jewish and that he was from Palestine based on what we've seen so far. Now the question was, is he an eyewitness? Um, and if we look through the gospel of John, what we see is that there are uh, you know, specific details of person, of time, of number, of place, manner of action, and many of these um, are highly precise, but they're not theologically uh, motivated. Um, and I and I think maybe the greater case would be um, the fact that over and over again, this author uses the first person plural. Right in John 1.14, John 19.35 are examples of that, uh, which suggests that whoever is writing this gospel uh, is writing it from the perspective that they themselves uh, were participants in the events described. Uh, it's not a, a third person. Um, it's a first person perspective. And so... Um, that's one of the reasons why I think that the author was an eyewitness. Also, I think the author was one of the twelve. Uh, the individual claim of John twenty one twenty four is that the individual who is referred at several points in this gospel is the person uh, is given the title the beloved disciple or the disciple whom Jesus loved, uh, and it seems that this person was the author. So the question is. Who was this person? Who's the best candidate for being the disciple whom Jesus loved or the beloved disciple? Um, but this phrase is also used, before we get to that, this phrase is also used at some very intimate points between Jesus and his 12 uh, disciples, right? So this phrase shows up when this figure is a part of the Last Supper, John 13, 23 through 25. It's at the crucifixion, 19 through 26, or chapter 19, 26 through 27, verses 34, 35. 
this person is at the empty tomb. Uh, John 20, 2 through 5, verse 8. Uh, this person is fishing in Galilee post-crucifixion and appearance of Jesus. That's John 21, 1 through 7. Now, if we look at the synoptics, the synoptics will tell us that it was John and Peter who were there. So there's some kind of collaboration between the beloved disciple who's at the tomb and, hey, uh, John and Peter were the only disciples who were initially at the tomb. Now, could it be Peter? Well, doubtful um, because what we see in the Gospel of John, or what I'll say is the fourth Gospel, is that Peter is mentioned alongside the beloved disciple. So if Peter is mentioned alongside the beloved disciple, then he can't be the beloved disciple, right? Well, what about um, the other member of Jesus's inner circle? You know, Jesus' inner circle was James, Peter, and John. We've already eliminated Peter from being that anonymous person. Well, what about James, the brother of John? Well, unfortunately, he was killed in AD 44, Acts 12, 1 and 2. So it's highly unlikely that this gospel was written in AD 40s. So that eliminates James, the brother of John. So James, the brother of John, just kind of a review. James, the brother of John, is martyred, so he couldn't have written the gospel given the dating of the gospel, which we'll get to in the next episode. And Peter can't be the beloved disciple because he's mentioned uh, alongside the beloved disciple in many of these instances. But the synoptics say that John and Peter were at the empty tomb. The Gospel of John says that the beloved disciple and Peter were at the empty tomb. Therefore, the best case of who is probably the beloved disciple would be John, the apostle of Jesus. Um, now, I think that this is also supported um, by by a little nuance that's seen in the fourth gospel uh, rather than the first three. Um, so when we look at the fourth gospel, we see that um, the name John is completely absent in reference to John, uh, or, or excuse me, the, the moniker John the Baptist is not used in the gospel of John. It simply just says, John came and he was baptizing. John came and he did this. And Jesus and John were baptizing in this area. And so the moniker, the Baptist, is completely absent from that gospel. Now, why not make that 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 distinguishing uh, marker between John the Baptist and John the Apostle? Well, if the disciple is writing to a community who knew him well and knew that the gospel came from him, this could be understandable, right? Furthermore, it is interesting um, that if John the Apostle um, wasn't writing this and it was somebody else, why in the world would someone write a gospel um, that has John the Apostle in it and John the Baptist in it and not make uh, or not have that distinguishing mark and say, hey, John the Baptist came, this isn't John the Apostle uh, there? It doesn't seem likely that that would take place. But once again, if the audience knew that this was John the Apostle, uh, and they knew about his relationship with Jesus, uh, and that was kind of a title that was given to him that he carried with him, 
they could easily identify, uh, you know, the difference between, you know, the John in the beginning of the book and the John that's noted or the beloved disciple that's noted uh, in these other instances. And so they would know that it wasn't John the Apostle that was baptizing, but it was John the Baptist that was baptizing. So uh, there you have it. That's the internal and external evidence uh, for the Gospel of John. Uh, I think we have good, strong evidence from history. And even when we look into the book and kind of mix and match some things from the synoptics to say that most likely uh, the best case that can be made the overarching historical narrative is that John the Apostle wrote the fourth gospel. Um, so remember, uh, tomorrow, don't miss the YouTube live interview at 11.30 Eastern Standard Time. It'll be me with Forrest Animasaurus. Uh, and Monday, we'll get back on track with our reliability of the New Testament deal. Uh, and we'll look at the dating of the gospel of John. So thank you once again for all those who watch, for all those who listen on SoundCloud, for all those who pray for us, for all those who've partnered with us monetarily. We greatly appreciate it. We can't do what we do uh, without you guys. And, and we hope that this uh, information and content has been edifying for, for you. And remember, equip yourself to engage culture. This is Dean Meadows signing off of Dean's Dialogue. Have a great day and God bless.